that it's not. Um, I think foreign buying seems to correlate quite strongly with the uh, the currency rate. So uh, perhaps if the uh, the currency is weakened from its uh, from its peak of um, when we were most worried about the um, uh, the COVID situation, but it's not really been enough. Uh, so the foreigners are still heavy net sellers uh, year to date. So yes, the market's going up with that, without them. Once again, they're uh, they're missing out on um, on a, a surprisingly strong Japanese market. Nick, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Nick Smith, Japan strategist at CLSA in Tokyo. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. And over in Tokyo, Japanese stocks are down about, uh, sorry, up about 0.1%. That's where the Nikkei 225 is at the moment. Uh, Australia's trading this morning after that uh, software glitch yesterday prevented uh, stocks from trading for most of the day. The ASX 200 up close to half a percent. Uh, shares almost flat in South Korea. Here in Hong Kong, looks like the Hang Seng is going to rise about a third of a percent at the open. Brent crude oil is trading at $43.92 a barrel. Gold is at $1,891 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Stay tuned for Back Chat, coming up very shortly with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. The weather forecast, mainly fine. Maximum temperature of about 27 degrees. It's going to become cloudy tonight and also tomorrow. Warm on Thursday and Friday with one or two light rain patches and some mist in the morning and at night. It's 23 degrees right now, 80% relative humidity. Time's 8.31 and a half. Here's Pierre Tremblay with the half-hour news. The president of the Medical Association, Choi Gin, says he isn't confident the government will come up with a clear list of symptoms that doctors should look for before ordering patients to take a COVID-19 test. Dr. Choi said he'd spoken to the health secretary, Sophia Chan, last night after doctors expressed concern over new compulsory testing rules and asked for more clarity. Medical groups will meet health officials on Friday. He says the threat of a fine for not taking a test may put patients off visiting a doctor. This is a serious, uh, serious uh, threat to the patient because the patient would choose not to come to see the doctor for minor ailments. The patient would prefer taking uh, lozenges for sore throat, uh, cough mixtures for uh, strict, straightforward cough, and just paracetamol for the fever. So uh, this will prevent the patients from coming in earlier to see the doctors. Pilots and cabin crew from another of the SAR's airlines are facing a choice between deep pay cuts and losing their jobs. H- Hong Kong Express says it needs to reduce losses, as Joanna Wong reports. The low-cost carrier is following its parent, Cathay Pacific, and giving staff a choice between much reduced pay and termination. The budget airline said it took the difficult decision to offer salary reductions of between 20 and 45 percent because of a pressing need to bring its losses under control. The cuts will be reduced when the airline is able to operate more surfaces. Ground staff will be asked to take 20 days of unpaid leave in the first half of next year. Management, including CEO Mandy Ng, said they'll take a 15% salary reduction for the same period. Last month, Cathay Pacific cut more than 5,000 jobs as the COVID-19 pandemic takes a devastating toll on the aviation industry. The World Health Organization has welcomed the announcement that a second company appears to have developed a successful coronavirus vaccine, but is warned against complacency. The head of the WHO, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said he was extremely concerned by a surge in cases. The latest vaccine from the U.S. firm Moderna has shown a 95% success rate in trials. David Navarro, a senior WHO official, said the scientific advances were incredible. 
we've had quite unusual lack of cooperation between some major countries. And the politics have not been easy. On the other hand, we've had remarkable scientific cooperation between the scientists themselves and between the companies. So it's something really to rejoice about. Might be a bit down in the mouth about the politics, but the science is brilliant. And I think it's something for everybody in the world to feel really good and warm about. Next news at nine. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today. Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're talking today about the Yamate fire and our overcrowded countryside. Seven people were killed in a deadly blaze after a major fire at a four-storey building in Yamate on Sunday evening. Reports say the fire was caused by a celebration at an unlicensed restaurant where lit candles ignited soundproofing materials. Of those killed or injured, 17 were Nepali. In terms of fire safety, how safe are these old tenement buildings? What can our government do to prevent similar accidents? How common and how much of a risk are such restaurants? Give us a call with your thoughts, your questions and your comments. Our number is 233-88266. You can email backchat at rthk.hk or you can leave a message on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. And after nine, as the weekend crowds fill hillsides and scenic spots all over Hong Kong, from Taiyo to Sai Kung, we'll be discussing if some of the local attractions are getting too popular, how transport can cope and whether the days of peace in the countryside have passed. Once again, we want to hear from you. Email backchat at rthk.hk with your thoughts and your experiences. Joining us for the first topic, we have now uh, Chua Thapa, who's, president, uh, who's presenter of uh, RTHK's uh, Saptahik Sandish uh, radio programme. Uh, Anthony Lamchun Man, who's the former president of the Institution of Fire Engineers, Hong Kong branch. And Natalie Chu, who's a district councillor in uh, Yao Chim Mong. Uh, Mr. Lam, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Yes, good morning. Uh, f- from what we know, and of course it's just press reports basically at the moment, from what we know about the circumstances of this fire, um, uh, as a fire engineer, what, what are your concerns? What do you think are the, are the warning signs? What are the things that we should be paying attention to? Well, I think, first of all, uh, the old buildings, uh, they are not up to the present standard, definitely. Uh, but then, uh, not only the old, old buildings concerned, it's the unlicensed restaurant. Unlicensed restaurant means that there are no licenses requirement that they would like to observe. Uh, whether the, in terms of the location, in terms of the facilities, in terms of the fire safety management, all of these are lack of. So uh, what we have to do is, uh, you know, uh, if you are talking about the uh, old uh, buildings, then obviously uh, the government, I think, is, uh, ha- is having a base program to up- uh, upgrade its uh, uh, facilities. But not only that, uh, the uh, awareness, the public fire safety awareness has to be raised. So uh, what I'm talking about is uh, what I describe as the hardware and the software. Hardware is the uh, provision of the fire safety installations and equipment. The software side is on the public awareness. Both of them have to be uh, upgraded or enhanced. 
When it comes to the hardware, uh, with old buildings, what sort of things are we talking about? What, what do they uh, not have in old buildings that they have in new ones that we need? Now, uh, it all depends on the type of buildings. Uh, whether it's a period of Mr. Building or a composite building. A period of Mr. Building, then uh, uh, the sort of fire uh, service installation is quite simple. It's more or less just like usual uh, installations and the many fire alarm systems. These are quite simple. But for the old buildings, uh, one concern is about the loading of the uh, water tank. Uh, whether the, uh, whether the building can withstand the uh, full-size water tank. But uh, I, I think the uh, if the building owners have the determination to upgrade uh, the standard, then uh, the authority can have uh, some sort of... Uh, uh, can come into some sort of agreement to have uh, maybe a, a, a more lean, a lenient way uh, in terms of the size of the water tank. Yeah. But regarding the composite building, uh, that would be a big difference because composite building, you can have other commercial activities, just like a restaurant. And some of the restaurant in terms of the location uh, is unsuitable because uh, uh, rest, the, uh, the, cost, uh, the number of persons in the restaurant will definitely need much more, m- 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 more than the uh, number of occupants in the domestic. So you have to look at the means of the scam, the staircase provisions, the functional relations, and some of them may require sprinkler system. So these are more difficult uh, to, to, uh, to observe. Yes, um, Mr. Lam, I understand that um, the issue of water tank is, is actually a, a very core issue. Um, I understand that the fire services department uh, they do inspect, um, you know, numerous buildings each year, and then you know they serve notices to these buildings requiring improvements. But um, uh, like this Yamate area, uh, the owners are scattered everywhere, and some of the buildings don't really have an incorporated owners association, and um, you know nobody can coordinate them, you know, to improve the fire services. And also, you know, for this particular building on Canton Road. Um, it is 69 years old. Uh, it is almost impossible to, to have a water tank at the roof. And without a water tank, we can't have a sprinkler system. I'm not sure whether, you know, I'm correct in saying that. But, uh, you know, short of a sprinkler system and a water tank, what other measures could owners and tenants do, you know, in these old buildings? Now, first of all, if you're uh, talking about the sort of coordination, then... Uh the owners can, you know, seek assistance from home affairs department, uh, you know, to form a I.O. in corporate owners. Uh, they can also, you know, uh, form some sort of owners committee if they, uh, 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 to, to agree on the sort of contribution in terms of money for, for, for the upgrading of the fasciaries installation. Uh, if you are talking about the uh, spring installation, then it comes to a, a, the fact that uh, the building itself is not a purely domestic building. It can be a composite building. A composite building, then uh, the location of the restaurant itself it may be a problem. If, you, if there is a nice uh, restaurant, that means uh, if uh, is the location itself can or cannot be uh, approved. If the location cannot be approved, then well, uh, the restaurant, the restaurant should not be uh, in, in that place. Should not be there. 
So there's no need to provide a sort of spring system. If there's no commercial activities, if there's no restaurant, there's no need to have a spring tank. That will be only, that will be only the water tank for the whole well. The water tank for the whole well will be much smaller. And I think the authority can agree with the owners on the size of the water tank, depending on, you know, the real situation. I guess looking at the circumstances, I mean, it seems to have been contained, but but a, a great many people, seven people died, 17 injured, you know, with, within that area. So it seems to have been quite uh, intense and, as I say, kind of contained. Why would it have, why would that have happened? Why did it not spread? And why were so many people killed? Now, this has to be fully investigated. I think I have not been there, you have not been there, I don't know. Uh, but definitely there will be a full investigation, there will be an inquiry, I think, in, in the court eventually. Um, this again links to uh, a few factors. First of all, whether the, uh, whether the place is suitable for a restaurant, whether the people have the sort of fire uh, safety are managed, whether the uh, look, the premises itself has sufficient fire service information. If the place itself is not good, is not suitable for a restaurant, then somebody operating it as a nice restaurant, then obviously that is the first and vital mistake. If there is no fire service information in that place, well, then what happened in case of fire? And then also, uh, you know, the, 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 the restaurant operator and the customers, they're doing something, they may be doing something which, uh, in terms of fire safety uh, uh, management, is totally unacceptable. Not acceptable, you know. Okay, well, let's. Uh, Joe Thapa is with us, the presenter of RTHK's uh, Nepali language, uh, Subtahik Sandesh. Mr. Thapa, good morning to you. Thanks so much indeed for, for joining us. It's a shame it's under these circumstances. Um, t- t- I mean, these unlicensed restaurants, how, how common are they? How common are they in this region and, and other bits of Hong Kong? Um, as far as I know, I think uh, it's, uh, it, it's common. I, think. It, 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 I don't know whether these this can be called restaurants, but I think they, these are from, from family clubs. So uh, small groups, they run family clubs, and when... Uh, they have festivals, important occasions. They gather there, they celebrate, and they kind of, you know, uh, how to say, they share um, enjoy. So there, I think the um, uh, incident on 15th was also part of that. And um, I, I understand that in Jordan there is a, a sizable Nepalese uh, community. So obviously, um, they they would like to you know have these private places to dine out, but um, how aware are they with um, with si- fire safety uh, measures? Do you think? Oh yeah, that, that's a good question. Actually, um, I, I think many of the um, members of the Nepalese community they may not be aware of the fire safety and other uh, safety requirements of the government or building department. I think they they need to be uh, made aware about that. Mm. I was reading the um, um, you know Chinese news and uh, it said that, that you know all these clubs, uh, in particular the upstairs clubs, um, they they are in existence because um, you know the rent is cheap, 
and um, uh, people, uh, you know, the, your Nepalese uh, community, some of them uh, don't really have much income, and if they want to enjoy uh, family gatherings and with relatives, they they would go to these clubs because the food is cheaper. Is that uh, correct uh, to describe the situation? Uh, well, I, I'm not quite sure if, uh, uh, I mean, uh, whether they go there just because of uh, the food is cheaper. But uh, as I said earlier, these are, these are uh, normally the family clubs. Uh, even if you see the name list, especially surname list of those people who were uh, actually caught in the fire and who died, you can see there's only, well, there's almost one, only one or two uh, name list. I mean, family name, name you can see. So that means these are all family clubs. So they just want to gather in, in their own club and they just want to celebrate. So that's what I would say. Um, uh, but I think, uh, yes, of course, uh, the income of the family, I mean, Nepalese community members is not so high. Uh, that, um, as a Chinese newspaper said, uh, but I, I would, um, I would say that uh, they gather in these kind of premises because they are family clubs. They just want to enjoy with their family members and relatives and neighbors. Uh, so that's what I would say. Yeah. Is, is there a problem? Uh, uh, Jeffrey Andrews, as a social worker in, in this area, uh, ha has said that the government should provide more venues for poorer sections of society to uh, congregate because uh, the, 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 they can't afford to do it in... Uh, expensive restaurants and so on. Do you, do you agree with that? Oh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, Natalie Chu, yeah? Do you yeah, want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, uh, because, uh, besides the, I think the, the most important is their culture. They like to gather together to enjoy uh, events. That is their cultural and that must be a place that belongs to them. If that is most important. If they come to Chinese restaurant, maybe they don't feel the the mood to enjoy. They, they like to have an environment that belongs to themselves. Yeah. Um, Natalie Chu, as a district councillor, you know of yeah, that yeah. community. Uh, yes. I guess you you have been inside these buildings. No, uh, no, I, I have been inside this building, but not this restaurant. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it easy to recognise that it's a restaurant? And uh, I know that it is really not your duty to to report to uh, to FSD but you know how could we uh, find out more of these unlicensed restaurants and and ask them to be licensed or get the fire services to do inspections more often this is all for um, you know for protection of of citizens right i think um, because these these kind of restaurants they if they close the door, you do not know they are restaurant. They are the same as normal flat. They do not put a sign that this is uh, the name of the restaurant. There's nothing like this. And just uh, besides the subdivided house, is the same. They close the door, you do, know, do not know. The inside is subdivided to many, many small houses, um, many small rooms. So uh, it should be something, I, I, I think... Um, it, the news should come from come from Nepalese. They tell us which one the restaurant, which one is the restaurant, which one should be keep safe. I think um, the education to Nepalese is is important. Is important. Uh, the relationship you with the Nepalese is is important. Um, and the checking of uh, authorization uh, to. Uh, 
of this building also important. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Lam, the, it's reported that the that the uh, food the FEHD uh, received a complaint uh, in April last year, uh, mm. alleging that uh, an illegal restaurant operation was being run on these premises. Uh, but the reports say uh, the accusations were not substantiated by officers visiting the site. So that suggests, you know, I mean, that says that the the people actually went there and and didn't recognise it. Was, it was a restaurant. That seems odd. I think if if continued, they may have more checking. Mm. More checking is needed. Mr. Because, okay. uh, for me, if I check uh, if I check a place, maybe I will check a few times so so that I can finally come out before or not come out before or something like that. Sure. More checking. Uh, okay. More hidden. More hidden checking. All right, some some uh, some uh, emails uh, from listeners. Our address backchat at rthk dot hk. Uh, Mary, uh, who uh, I think lives in uh, around that area. Uh, Mary says, again, we have a tragedy that might have been averted if the government had taken action against the property owners who neglect their premises. Some of the tenement units are being rented out at a per square foot rate higher than that of mid-levels, but not a cent is spent on maintenance. In addition, the owners, presuming they are declaring the rental income in the first place, are allowed a statutory allowance of 20% for repairs and outgoings and be deducted from the rental income. But there is no system of random inspection on the old the buildings to ensure that repairs are being carried out and that the basic amenities required under the building's ordinance are provided. The slum lords have enjoyed a free lunch for decades. It's time that they be forced to meet certain minimal standards. As all property has to be registered, the authorities have no excuse for failure to enforce existing regulations that protect uh, the, the uh, tenants. Uh, Any thoughts on that, Natalie Chu? Uh, um Yes, it is very difficult because uh, because uh, met, for 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 me when I check the house, I find out um, the house is quite poorly poorly uh, maintenance. But um, you cannot find the ta- you cannot find uh, you cannot find the landlord, and you, can, you the only one you can find is at the agency. You cannot directly find them, and then uh, you cannot. Uh, continually, you cannot organize any any management team for the building. So uh, there are some Nepalese they will actively to protect their house, and they they so worry about that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, M- Mr. Lam, uh, uh, um, Lam Chunman, I mean, you yes. you said there's a problem, you know, with tracing the owners, but you know these flats are supposed to be registered. People are collecting rent from them. Or, or these yeah. the, these premises is it is it really so hard? Should it be so hard, Mr. Lamb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony yeah. Lamb. Okay. Is is my time right? Yes. yes. Okay. Now I think um, first of all, um, when there is a, a, a fire safety concern, uh, all the owners uh, have been notified. But I'm not. Uh, talk, uh, I'm not on behalf of the authority, you know, I've retired some 15 years ago, so I'm not talking about speaking on behalf of the authority. But I, as far as I understand, uh, obviously the HAD, the Home Affairs Department, can perform some sort of coordinating roles. But then the owners themselves have the duties, have the responsibilities to ensure that their building is used for the purpose they are used for. If the building itself 
It's only used as a residential purpose. Then it should be restricted as residential and not used as restaurant or other uh, other uh, sort of uh, activities not allowed. Uh, I think these are clearly uh, uh, defined in the building plan. So if you are doing the building itself, uh, you know, I, I think some 50, uh, 40 or 50 years ago, especially in domestic, well, then obviously that will not be allowed, a factory and a domestic block. So even a restaurant, if the itself is not an ideal location, even if they apply for the license, that will not be given, then the, uh, the, the, the premises itself should not be used as commercial or restaurant. So this is the um, duty, the responsibility of the owner. Yes, um, Mr. Lam, in these old districts and in these old buildings, sometimes um, it's very difficult to uh, organize uh, an incorporated owners association. I I think what you said is absolutely correct if we have a strong incorporated owners association. And so they will have to operate um, the building well and manage the building well, you know, from daily cleanliness uh, to fire safety. Um, but short of that, um, I'm just wondering how we could step up uh, the uh, the fire safety measures in these buildings. Because even if FSD issues a you know a notice to them, it will take months, if not years, to uh, uh, to rectify uh, the um, the problems. Besides, besides, uh, Mr. Lam first, Mr. Lam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Lam, yes. Yes. Now, I think first of all is. The building owner, this is not all talking about the uh, uh, I.O. incorporated ownership. The, build, uh, the premises owner, the owner of the unit knows very well that his or her unit is only used for what purpose. If he knows that unit is only used as domestic, then that unit should be used as domestic and not for other purpose. For use as uh, other purpose is already against the uh, against the regulation. So it's not talking about the uh, 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 owners in cooperation, but the owner of the unit knows very well that what uh, his unit should be used as what. If that unit can be used as commercial, then that may be licensable. Then, then uh, you know, uh, if we use it as a licensed restaurant, then again, this is own responsibility. It's not talking about the uh, owner of the whole of the owners of the building. It's the owner of that unit. Okay, some interesting uh, emails. Um uh, on well, on Facebook, uh, John says, "A rubbish for old low-rise building. A tank is not needed. An improvised system has direct feed from the water main. Uh, I, dev- I designed the first improvised sprinkler system for more than 25 years ago, approved by the Hong Kong Fire Services Department." And he also says the key is issue not discussed is the split responsibility between the building department, HAD, and fire services uh, department. Uh, Jay says, now we have all the do-gooders coming out of the woodwork uh, talking about fire systems. As the government knows, they are the biggest parasites in this problem. Many of the buildings now have had compulsory orders for fire systems in old buildings. Why haven't they completed their fire systems? Because of the law. All the owners have to agree. You're only allowed to put in one type of 
fire system by qualified personnel of which the fire companies have cartel control over this. You are not allowed to put simple fire extinguishers on each floor of a house. You have to have a piped system. You have to have a water tank on your roof. You have to have a very expensive bumping system. The cost price and the installation price is a very big difference. The government are not interested to uh, regulate this price. It's done for profit. Singapore has a very good system. They have fire hoses under the kitchen sink, but you don't use water on a cooking oil fire. You use other alternatives or a fire mat. So this is a bit of a joke, having a water system next to an oil cooking system. Then we have the situation of fire doors. Some of the regulations of the fire and buildings department, absolutely absurd and designed by idiots for commercial reasons. And a lot of the regulations apply to old buildings now were made for new buildings, not old. Fire systems should be designed to work and checked properly, uh, even if not, even if they don't conform with the new regulations. Uh, Matthew says, I appreciate hard-working, well-intentioned activists on behalf of underprivileged ethnic minorities like Jeffrey Andrews. However, when they call for action around these old buildings, I think they need to be careful what they wish for, unless their requests for action come with specific suggestions to upgrade the safety of the existing buildings, like has been done with chunking mansions. It will be very easy to imagine a scenario where the government opportunity decides to redevelop these buildings on the basis of safety only to replace them with more luxury accommodation for wealthy mainlanders. This would be to take away both affordable housing and further destroy the city's cultural history. With people like the CE and the DAB's Vincent Cheng around the scene yesterday, it's a good chance they will smell some opportunity and it's likely this will be it's unlikely this will be an opportunity to help ethnic minorities. Uh, Andrew Kay says, all very well to talk about the fire department's role, but if owners willingly break the law, there's not much they can do. How about harshly dealing with the people actually responsible? Thank you very much indeed, everyone, uh, for their comments. Thank you to our guest this morning, to uh, Chua Thapa, uh, presenter of the uh, Nepali language programme, Saptahik Sandish on RTHK, to uh, Anthony Lamchunman, former president of the Institute of Fire Engineers, Hong Kong branch, and uh, to Yaojimong District Councillor, Natalie Chu. Thank you very much indeed. We're going to be talking about overcrowding in beauty spots, Lantau in particular, after the news at nine. And we'll, uh, we'll air your thoughts as well. The weather, mainly fine. 24 degrees now. Humidity is at 78%. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, back chat this Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Tuverton. We were talking in the first part of the programme before nine about that uh, fire in Nyamate. Some uh, interesting thoughts from listeners. Thank you very much indeed. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, you may be interested as well to comment on our second topic. Uh, we're going to be talking in a moment about uh, uh, basically overcrowding in uh, in beauty spots. You might have seen pictures of uh, queues for uh, Sunset Peak and around Sai Kung and so on. Country parks and beauty spots swamped with visitors. Uh, transport systems buckling under the strain. We're going to be talking about that in, in a moment. Yesterday we were talking about uh, aspects of uh, COVID and about uh, the closure of uh, kindergartens. Um, here's a few uh, extending some of those thoughts. Uh, Maggie, uh, in an email, says, The school kindergarten principal being interviewed on your programme uh, says she doesn't understand that parents would be terrified of being separated from their children when a family member tests positive. What an incredible lack of empathy from someone who works with small children and parents. How heartless. I am speechless. That's from Maggie. 
Ray P says, testing is the most responsible thing to do. I agree. However, family financial situations differ. I understand there is a substantial penalty for not testing, a punitive measure on the very people who can least afford it. Those are workers chosen not to be tested or even see a doctor for fear of losing any potential income at all. How does mandatory testing work best then? There can be non-symptomatic people and or children in your schools and workplace to have been tested at one time or another. After you get tested for COVID-19, we are all still susceptible any time thereafter until we have a vaccine. Humour or mandatory test everyone before they leave home every day. Now that sounds like a CPP idea in the making. That comes from Ray P. And Leon says, I received a photograph of a packed Hollywood Road located live music bar restaurant from the weekend. To the naked eye, it's fairly apparent that the government's social distancing policies weren't being adhered to. Rather than constantly tinkering with the COVID social distancing rules for restaurants and bars, after all, having four diners per table rather than six isn't going to have any discernible effect on the spread of COVID. The government should come down hard on the proprietors of these venues, which are clearly ignoring the regulations. For example, government could implement a three strikes and you're out policy, whereby the venue receives a hefty fine for its first violation. It's forced to temporarily close, perhaps for 14 days, for its second violation and has its alcohol licence removed for its third violation. The threat of these tougher penalties will almost certainly prompt bar and restaurant owners to reassess their current lax approach to following the government's COVID regulations. That comes uh, from Leon. Uh, Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Once again, 233-88266. Joining us to talk about uh, Lantau and uh, uh, too many visitors, uh, we have uh, Lantau resident and uh, Backchat host as well, uh, Anna Fenton in our central studio with Mark Savelli, Operations Director of the Kunchung Bus Holdings uh, Limited. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Um, uh, Anna, maybe uh, if we could start with you. What, what actually is the problem at the moment on, on Lantau, on the south side of Lantau? We're kind of talking about, aren't we? We're all getting from the north to the south. Well, we have the problem of one road, um, the South Lantau Road, which runs pretty much east-west from Moiwo to Tayo, um, chopped in the middle by um, uh, an access road up to Tung Chung. Now, this road was originally a mule track um, created by the military long time ago it's simply not fit for purpose anymore it's not even up to standards of a basic road uh, we now have uh, since last year 50 plus extra tour buses these were added last year and now we have the problem of an, uh, a whopping influx of people on the weekends but not just the weekends we're now seeing packs of hikers coming out every day during the week and as Mark will explain, the bus company is doing their best and putting on lots and lots of extra buses. But even then, the residents in the afternoons can't get on the buses to get anywhere. And the, it's, it's just choked. There's no point in beating around the bush. Tayo is a tiny little end-of-the-world spot, and it simply can't cope. And Tung Chung at the other end uh, is, is, is groaning and struggling too. It, it's just quite chaotic, to be honest. Do, do we have any figures of the increase of people to that part of uh, North Lantau? Uh, well, I would area? suggest that Mark explains in terms of the bus capacity, bearing in mind that the average MTR train, to my surprise, can take 3,000 people. So if that's disgorging at the rate of every five minutes, 3,000 people into the bus shed in Tung Chung, I'll hand over to Mark about what that means for bus services. 
Yes, um, we, we are very happy to see so many people coming to South Lantau in the last few weeks. Uh, there's a great lot of space there. There's 56 square kilometres in one of the country parks in South Lantau, and a, for, for, furthermore, 22 square kilometres in, in the other one. And we have, this is much bigger than the Kowloon Peninsula, and we do have uh, lots of space there. And although we heard from uh, just now that uh, people are having difficulty boarding buses. We are, we are, we are we're fully committed to making sure that doesn't happen. And uh, we've been discussing uh, with Anna uh, regularly recently and adding buses in on demand to cope with the great interest there is in enjoying the excellent country park out there. And there's no congestion. I mean, my, my, Anna might say that everything is choked, but actually we never suffer any congestion we have completely uh, very, very free-flowing roads. It is a closed-permit road, so no private cars can go there except for the residents. So uh, we, do have, we take our responsibility very seriously, and we understand that people have uh, choices about where they spend their leisure days and weekends, and we want to encourage people to come to South Lanto and have a seamless experience. At the same time, we do want to make sure the locals do not have any boarding difficulties. The problem, Mark, is though, I, I take your point, the transport's working very well, but when they get there, we don't have public toilets for all these people. We now have ridiculous situations where people are relieving themselves behind the public toilets. Um, it's just too many people in too small a space. And places like Tayo are simply not designed for this. Even the Nongping cable car can only take a finite number of people, and it, it's just overwhelmed. And the point about toilets is I'm sure it's something that if we can supply buses on demand, then I think public toilets could also be supplied on demand. There are mobile units that could be lifted in there. This is not our uh, speciality, but I'm quite happy to work with uh, the authorities and identify some suitable sites. Um, Mark Savelli, how many more buses are you uh, deploying um, you know, on an on-demand basis uh, um, during weekends? Yes, a very good question. We, we, we have, um, well, because... Well, the, the new Lantau Bus Company is, is a franchised bus company which is wholly owned by Kun Chung uh, Bus Holdings Limited. And we have the, uh, the, the ability to bring in the tour coaches at weekend to supplement the normal new Lantau bus fleet at the weekend. And so on recent weekends, we've been bringing up to um, 60 extra buses into, into South Lantau. Um, but even then, uh, we, we don't see any congestion, as I said earlier. And this, we do have plenty of drivers that are fully trained that come from, uh, from other parts of our network who are not so busy at weekends. So, so we do have the ability to meet the demand. One thing that we have to say, I mean, I will be a little bit humble here. Um, when it came to the Chung Yang Festival Day, that was a very nice day also for hiking. And despite that the beaches were closed, we were taken a little... There's only so much you can predict about the coming weekend. And we do our best. We look at the Royal, the, 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 the Hong Kong Observatory. Um, we also look at the uh, BBC website for weather forecast. And we, we make a, a call as to what kind of standby resources we need to put into place for the weekend. So just occasionally, we're, we, we believe we, we, we do have uh, some problems in predicting exactly what happens. But we're quickly to adjust. We're very dynamic and we're always on the spot. I myself... And there very often, sometimes I combine it with a hike up at Sunset Peak. And sometimes even if we're really stuck, I will drive a bus. <laughs> you, you've seen the crowds on Sunset Peak, though. We've seen photographs of 
just y yes, I, I I walked up Sunset Peak from Moiwo side, and it was very very quiet. We we just saw a goat. In fact, not even any person. We were quite early. But well, coming down the other side from Sunset Peak on the way down to Pak Kong Ao, then we did see a lot of people, and they have obviously been transported up the hill by our buses. But even then, on the hill, there's plenty of space, except if you want those prime selfie photo spots where there was a queue for about ten minutes. Ten-minute queue to to <laughs> get to the to the right spot. Because I mean, this is you, I know that you get the same phenomenon uh, over in the east as well in Sai Kung and people going to the to certain uh, places there and, and uh, camping as well. A lot of camping sites are, are are overwhelmed. Do do you expect this to continue? I mean, obviously because of COVID at the moment, people aren't going overseas and people are enjoying this weather now. But is this is this the way of the future? Is, uh, and if so, are we just going to have to rethink really? You know, transport arrangements for the country parks, because they're kind of haphazard at the moment, aren't they? We hope it's a way of the future. We hope that people have had the bug for, for going to hikes and perhaps, you know, with the beaches being closed, um, people got to experience new things like climbing the hills. So with beaches open now and the hills also open, uh, we think people who have had an enjoyable experience will keep coming and will tell their family and friends that they had a seamless travel experience. I think Is, is, that, is that the last thing you want, Anna? Or... Um... We're, we love to see them, but we don't love their rubbish. We don't love... You're a resident, explaining you're gone. Uh, yeah. Yes, and I'm afraid um, they're not getting it about taking home their rubbish. They just seem to think that leaving it somewhere in the vicinity of the bin would be OK, or while you're down on the beach, just put it in the back in the bushes. But unfortunately, we have feral beasties who... Um, our cows have developed a most unfortunate taste for human garbage, uh, which is killing them and also uh, very effectively spreading garbage everywhere. So this is not working. Um, and the campsites at Poyo are, are just atrocious at the end of a busy weekend. But, but it's not just Lantau, I have to say. Lama is completely inundated as well. But Lantau alone, we do have buffaloes. We do have um, a significant number of bovines, cows, buffaloes. These are dangerous. It is not a good idea to play matadors with the buffaloes, folks, uh, or go for rides on them. It's really not smart. Or take selfies sitting on them, this kind of thing. So I think what we need to do now is educate people coming to the countryside that this is not um, a park in the city and that we have wild animals and we could have a nasty accident mm. if, if some common sense doesn't prevail. So which, uh, which government department is coordinating all this? Uh, you mentioned the lack of toilets and the poor hygiene. I guess that would be the uh, food and environmental hygiene department. Oh, it might be, but it might also be LCSD. You know, you'd, you'd toss a coin on that one because they're really good at not doing joined-up thinking. Uh, between the departments. Then AFCD weighs in on the animal side, but they never seem to... And Transport Department as well, um, and Lands Department over land use, but they never actually sit around a table and talk about it from what I can see. And the Tourism Commission is not doing anything, I guess. Uh, well, you know, there's a sudden surge of local tourism for very obvious reasons, uh, but they are not really, um, you know... Uh, adding on new services and new, um, you know, public amenities. No, and but then again, whose call is it to put in more toilets or more more, food, more eating facilities? You know, the, the tiny little Dai Pai Dongs dotted around Lantau, again, simply can't cope with the influx. 
I mean, the whole of the south side of Lantau is, is, is kind of strange anomaly, isn't it? The way uh, it is so restricted. Uh, isn't it time to kind of get a grip on that and open it up to the tens of thousands of people who want to go there? The road isn't up to it, Hugh. It's not well, even Yeah, I know. Then put, then put a new road in. Well, now um, we come back that's, to that's, the... That's, the, that's the, what's happening in Saikung. The bigger debate is that the residents of Taiyo for some decades have been plaguing the government to put a tunnel from Daiyo to Tungchung. Now, the government has resisted this uh, very strongly. Um, <laughs> there is no ring road around Lantau. If you think of it, it's a huge island with no ring road. You can't connect easily uh, except by this one axis up over the, over the mm. hill. I think, Hugh, that it is a good idea to open it up because I think the issue of rubbish and toilets can easily be solved and there's a lot of space there. One of the things we have done on one of our routes recently is converted it to double deck with great views of the base uh, and from the mountain tops. And I think we, we, we have a, a, the idea that we want to do more of that because we can actually carry twice as many people in seated comfort than we can on a coach uh, for half the traffic flow. So, 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 sorry, we can half the traffic flow for the same number of people, or we can uh, have a few more buses and, and easily double the traffic flow without affecting traffic. So I think this is a really uh, good direction. The double-deckers run to Moiwo from Tongchong via Poyo Beach, and they're very popular. Uh, uh, people were a little bit uh, suspicious at first, but now I think that they've really got used to them and we want to do more of that. But, Mark, it took you 10 years to get that 3M route changed to double-deckers. So what are the roadblocks now for getting the number 11, which is the Dongchung to Dio route, turned yeah. to, to double-deckers? I think, I think our first step is to look at route number 23, which we've already road-tested uh, ourselves. Uh, that with, goes with, from Shekpik? Uh, sorry, up to the Big Buddha from Tongchong via the Changsha Beach, uh, which, again, two, two lovely beaches, the longest beach in Hong Kong, three kilometres long. Almost impossible to get to. Well, not, yes, but it's not impossible to get to. If you live in Kowloon, it, it's really, really hard to get to Chung Sha Beach, uh, we, isn't but it? We, we, All we ask is get to Tong Chung and we'll do the rest. Well, yeah, and you queue up for... Uh, no, no, <laughs> we're completely, long, we're completely queue? committed. Well, the, queue, the queue, queue, queue can be quite long, but we, have to, we, we review how, how our long? performance. How long? But the time for waiting is not long. The point about the, 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 the queue is it looks sometimes much worse than it is. So what we're doing to make it better... We review our performance every week. We are committed to continuous improvement. And what we've done recently is changed the way the iron railings are situated in Tongchong Terminus so that we can board two buses at the very same time. And this means that we can clear the queue very quickly. We don't expect you to queue for very many more than 15 minutes or 20 minutes normally at the very most. But Mark, but the, what uh, happens... Mm. Sorry, sorry, Hugh. Uh, Mark, what happens when the mainland tourists come back? We're ready for that, and as I said, we've made this adjustment to the boarding arrangement, which helps to not only move the queue much faster, it also uh, improves the turnaround time of the buses so that the buses can get back faster. So I think the, there's been a very busy uh, last few uh, weeks in Tongchung and getting people up the hill, and we haven't really received uh, any, I mean, any very bad ad ad adverse comments about our abilities to move people and we can see that people are voting with their feet and coming back in increased numbers every week at the moment. So this is something which we think is good and I think, you know, we can't put a foot wrong in this area without, without seeing social media 
uh, telling us that we have. So, we, we, and, and whenever we do uh, have uh, any deficiency, we seek to improve it. We're committed to week after week continuous improvement. So, please don't be frightened to come to South Lanto on our buses because we are going to do our best to ensure you have a seamless travel experience. How, how long would it take from from Kowloon from Kowloon, from Kowloon Tong to? get to the beach in Changsha. It's going to be half a day, isn't it, basically? Hour and a half, I do it frequently. Really? Okay. Yeah. T- okay. And people these days, they have, they have their, their, their f- 4G and they, they enjoy the ride. I do the number 11 bus from outside my house in Soihao and then I go to Tung Chung and then I wiggle my way go. through the MTR network. Okay, so an hour, hour and a half. Roughly, give or take, yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the point is that, you know, in, in Taiyo and in, in South Lantau, um, less so on the south of Hong Kong Island, but in many other places in the north of the, the New Territories and in the east, um, the sort of ad hoc arrangements and the Dai Pai Dongs and the minibuses and the speedboats and everything, that's kind of part of the charm, isn't it? That's Absolutely. A, it, it's a little bit ramshackle. The, but the trouble is, when you've got, you know, a million people who are trying to visit those slightly ramshackle areas, it becomes less charming and it just becomes a pain in the neck, frankly, for residents and for the people who are supposed to be enjoying those those uh, those amenities and enjoying the, the, the you know, rural areas and so on. Is it time to get a little bit more professional about these things? Well, we do think that we're doing that and I want that, without wanting to boast, we are doing every week reviews and we are very committed to ensuring people don't have a bad experience to get on the bus so if they do then please let us know and we'll do more but uh, at the moment we're doing um, something better every week and with double deckers it has made it a lot lot easier well i think transport um, can can cope um, mark uh, with with your uh, commitment but but I think you know talking about the Dai Pai Dongs, the small restaurants and the public toilets, I still think that um, you know somebody should be calling the shots and to you know to to communicate uh, with the residents, and also to to make sure that perhaps there are temporary licenses or or you know NGOs can can host a market somewhere and just weekend markets, uh, you know to sell things and to sell uh, cook food. Anna, would you welcome that or would you Absolutely. hate that? Absolutely. I think that it's crying out for something like that. Um, we, we tried to engage Randy Yu, our district councillor, um, unfortunately wasn't available today. I think it needs a concerted effort with all of the relevant government departments, but somebody needs to take charge of it because at the moment it's just past the parcel between the various government departments. I think we're up to six who are potentially mm. involved. It's a, it's a good idea to have more uh, attractions and more places to eat. And if necessary, if Anna said that we need to look about the rubbish, we're prepared to mobilise a team of people in a conjunction with the locals and do some clean-up if we find some areas that are in need of that that might put, may put the spotlight on this issue. It's more about educating the people before they come that they need to be accountable, that they leave with what they arrived with because don't leave it behind. That's a good idea. So we can also make that message clear on our buses so that we can, in a polite way, uh, I think we can work with the local community to prepare a poster on those lines. You mentioned Lama as well. What, what are the problems on Lama, Anna? Um, well, there was a meme going around a, three, a few weeks ago which had a guy going, you know, F dot 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 K off, Lama is full. And the problem is now, um, on the weekends, if we switch our attention to Central, you now get the queues for the ferries. For uh, for Lantau, the queue will be back to the Chungshao Pier. The Chungshao Pier will be back to the Lama Pier. And the Lama Pier will be back to the DB Pier. 
Llama in particular is a choke point bottleneck. They have smaller ferries, albeit they run them more frequently than the Lantau ones. But I often see on social media warnings, resident to resident, you know, get there half an hour early or you won't be able to get home at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon because people think, oh, great, let's pop over and we'll walk from Yungshuang to Hongxingye. What a nice... Uh, walk and and it is a lovely walk, but when they all try and pile on late afternoon to go over there for the evening, it it simply again seizes up. And then when you get there, you get off the ferry in in Lama at Yungshuan, and there's that tiny little track through the village, and it can take you 15 minutes just to get clear of the village. Hmm. Okay, it's an email from uh, Rob, uh, who says I've lived on Changchao for the last 30 years. During the weekends, every ferry arrives full of people coming to the island for a day out. Every hour, there are two ferries, one large ferry with 1,000 to 1,438 seats, one fast ferry with 435 seats. That is a total of nearly 2,000 people per hour. There are no vehicles on this tiny island. Most people come and rent bicycles and tricycles. There is a, there is a law that they're not allowed to travel along the prior during the weekends, but this is never enforced by the police. The weekends are very open overcrowded and most unbearable that comes uh, from rob so so echoing what you were saying anna yeah and it's a quality of life issue i don't think any of the residents on lantau resent people enjoying the beautiful countryside that's why we live there but they need to really respect it and understand that leaving behind rubbish and things is just really it, it ruins what they enjoy mm. Uh, MT says a lack of government department coordination. No surprise, but will it ever change? We need a parks authority and need to charge for entry to the parks to fund this single department. How can this be done? Is the government capable? That comes from uh, MT. Uh, and uh, Alan says, I suggest that the district council can coordinate all the departments at their meeting and can monitor progress of work at their meetings. That comes from Alan. Well, we're trying to do that. Mm. What about charging to go to a country park? I think that would meet pretty hefty resistance because the lines of what is country park and what isn't are not clearly drawn in the eyes of the public. Mm. There's, there's country parks on the south side of, of the uh, Hong Kong island uh, that you mentioned there, uh, uh, Mr Savelli. Um, they're, they're, they are, what, little known? Yes, I, I do believe they? that we are underselling the beauty of the South Lantau area. And, and I, when I, I see why Lang wanted to build on them. Yeah, well, I don't know about <laughs> that. But what I do know is that the beaches are grade one. There's a number of uh, gazetted beaches. There are wild beaches. And I do, when I pass the, the and we do, even when we have a busy day, you can find a long stretch of beach with nobody on it except one buffalo. And uh, we, we, we're very pleased to be part of this uh, amazing area, full of nature. There are 178 species of butterfly and uh, a lot of things to see there, which, uh, which are so peaceful. And we'll do our bit. There's the big Buddha at the top of the hill, the Tai O fishing village. We, we have these charming Dai Bai Dongs we've heard about on the beach. So what we want to do is to make sure that more people know about this and more people have the confidence to come well, and experience who, our who service. Who is discovering, who is helping to discover these new routes? I guess Lantau is very big and, you know, even if, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people go, we can, we can move them to uh, less, uh, uh, less of a very, um, you know, uh, of uh, like an attraction. Tayo is a very um, uh, local attraction, 
you know, the most well-known one, but um, there are less well-known ones. Can we can we do that with local well, tour operators? Good idea, but also we have a day pass which allows you to have unlimited rides on our network for for no for only a small premium price. So you don't have to pay for a ticket for every ride. And then we encourage people to get off and get on and hop on, hop off whenever they see a beautiful spot. But I think we really need to broaden this out and encourage people to visit all of the country parks. Hugh, to your point, there are country parts of Hong Kong Island which they could also explore. In, I think that there are a lot of local tourism sites, I understand, which but are currently... Dragon's Back is... Yeah. Is, that's just a queue, isn't it? That's like one Chai. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Dragon's Back is very busy. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, okay uh, some uh, comments. This is from uh, Tom. Uh, who says, as a South Lantau resident, I can totally agree with Anna's comments. I've been on the trails and had to apprehend hikers just throwing trash wherever they happen to be. Same on the beaches with people illegally camping and just leaving their trash on the beaches. Also, the, guy, the government are proposing opening up the number of day permits for outside cars from 25 to 50 per day. So the lack of congestion the, the bus PR guy was talking about won't last long. That comes uh, from Tom. You see, we only have 320 legal parking spaces on Lantau, and the transport department at the last count had issued 15,000 permits. So that, again, is a complete mismatch between lands department what, and transport why more, department. Why aren't there more taxis? Why aren't there minibuses? Why aren't there private initiatives to... Um, um, the taxis is another story. There's a bit of a cartel thing going on, from my understanding, and they are limiting the number of taxis or putting pressure on transport department to not open up the taxi market. That's a whole different subject. And the, and the car permits? I've tried to get the car permits, and they're... Somebody is getting them. Yeah, <laughs> somebody the is doing something very dubious about on them. On the second that they become available, they're gone. Yeah, every day, they're yeah. all snatched up instantly within, a, with as you say, within a second. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, okay, uh, Sam says, uh, dear Backchat, should we expect the mainland tourists to visit Hong Kong? We, the Hong Kong people, have insulted, humiliated, attacked them and even called them cockroaches. We just want their money and have not respected or protected them. Do we, Hong Kong people, not owe them an apology? That is uh, from Sam. Thanks very much indeed uh, for uh, those comments. Uh, and uh, just a couple more. Oh, yeah, his... his uh, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Tom says, I think Anna is talking about whether this is good for Lantau, and the other guy is talking about whether it's good for his business profit. <laughs> <laughs> Please rein him in, uh, says Tom. And uh, Merrin Pierce on Facebook says, Lantau Island, development on the north and conservation in the south is what the government has said they plan for Lantau. What are the government's plans? Will they really explain conservation and access? What are the government capacity plans and planning steps so the community knows, including the transport companies? Sustainable Lantau Office has not authority over the government departments to plan together. Uh, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, this morning. Mark Savelli, Operations Director with uh, Kunchung Bus Holdings Limited and uh, Anna Fenton, a Lantau resident. Uh, going back to our first discussion uh, this morning, Housing Estate Brett uh, says, let's treat the typical Hong Rong. Let's treat the symptoms rather than cure the disease. Older buildings are not up to current fire safety requirements. Likewise, their electrical installations. That is the root problem. Every single older building is in some way a death trap. It could just as well have been some number of ethnically correct Hong Kong people in any older premises who did something that started a fire. Restaurant or not, 
licensed or not, all of this is irrelevant. Sheesh, that comes from Housing Estate Brett. Good to hear from him again. Uh, Jay says, uh, once you have your compulsory order from the fire department, you have to meet with all the owners in your building. The fire department then give you a list of registered fire contractors. You then apply to them for tender, but they're only interested in big operations, not five to nine-story residential buildings. So the tender is high. Last I heard, there were over 150,000 compulsory orders for five doors, of which replacement for 30% was planning regulation BS. And at our last estimate, it will take over 15 years to fix this. That comes uh, from Jay. Thank you very much indeed for your for your comments and uh, your insights. Uh, Ada, thank you very much indeed. The weather mainly fine with a maximum temperature today of about 27 degrees, becoming cloudy overnight, overnight and uh, cloudy tomorrow. 24 degrees now. Humidity is 77%. Sufficient blood supply is needed each day to treat patients in need across Hong Kong. It's especially crucial in the influenza season and after adverse weather conditions. Download the Hong Kong Blood app to keep track of the blood inventory and make regular donation appointments. The new blood donation vehicle can be booked to operate at malls, office buildings, schools, and residential buildings for blood donation. Act now. One donation can save three lives. 933, the news with Pierre Tremblay. The president of the Medical Association, Soigin, says he isn't confident the government will come up with a clear list of symptoms that doctors should look for before ordering patients to take a COVID-19 test. He says the threat of a fine for not taking a test may put patients off visiting the doctor. The World Health Organization has welcomed the announcement that a second company appears to have developed a successful coronavirus vaccine, but has warned against complacency. The latest vaccine from the U.S. firm Moderna has shown a 95% success rate in trials. And U.S. President-elect Joe Biden has warned that Donald Trump's refusal to begin the transition following his election defeat earlier this month could cost lives. Mr. Biden said more people might die from COVID-19 unless the president worked with the incoming team to coordinate vaccination programs. More news at 10. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the university. Of Set and costume designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring. Doggy Council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults. It's not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. And welcome to Tuesday. I'm Phil Whelan, here with you until one. Nice easy one today. Bit of Jared What Extra, he's got more great Aussie music for you. That's sometime after ten. Plus all the news from down under that's fit to broadcast. Looking forward to chatting with Dr. Merrin Pierce today after eleven for his eco bit. Today's talking fish with Stan Shea, who's the marine programme director at the NGO Bloom HK. We have some wonderful pictures to show you if you can join us on Facebook Live. And of course, after twelve, we're off to Melbourne to chat once again with that biz futurist mate, Morris Misalowski. Can't say fairer, that's a Tuesday. This is Queen, and it's called Dragon Attack. Mm-hmm.